listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 12, 11, 10, 9. Ignition sequence start. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello and welcome to another episode of the Launchpad Podcast, presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Britt, co-host of Step Back Sisterhood and contributor at Clutch City Control Room. You can find me on Twitter at Britt Robotista. I'm your second host, Dex Hinton, uh, former Red94 contributor and writer here at Clutch City Control Room. You can find me on Twitter at Dex Hinton, and be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR, as well as being, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast, we greatly appreciate it. Yeah, so <laughs> it's been a very disappointing <laughs> number of games for the Rockets. Uh, this episode, to be honest, is going to be sort of off the cuff. Um, or sp- spontaneous and you can tell you probably can tell by my um, voice that I'm not too thrilled to talk about the beatdowns that the Rockets were handed to or handed by the Los Angeles Lakers um, and it felt like um, a continuation of the playoff series where they were beat down after the first game what are your thoughts about it Dex I mean yeah like this game was over after the first quarter, to be honest. Um, it's one of those things. The Rockets just aren't a very good basketball team right now, and the Lakers are a really, really good basketball team. And you just saw that play out up and down the court, every possession. I mean, they were just out there having fun at our expense, uh, you know, celebrating with the bench after threes, like, just hyping each other up after blocks on the court and different things like that. Like they, they were just out there having a good time. We basically didn't matter at all at any point in this game. We were just out there for cardio. It, it wasn't a fun time and you know, it's going to be, it's going to be hard to kind of talk about, but it is what it is. We're just, we're just not good right now. We, we stink at the moment. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. That, I, I think these losses, um, and it's probably worth saying that they lost um, on Sunday night, 120 to 102, and then they lost tonight, uh, 117 to 100, so 17 and 18 point um, losses, and they weren't really that close at all. I mean, there was um, at one point, you know, in both games, the lead was as large as um, 28 and 30 points, <laughs> respectively. So it, it just felt like it was a labor to um, watch the games. Although the second game I had to listen to because um, NBA app is absolutely dreadful and I only had the listening option and I wish I didn't even do that. I guess maybe the first thing that we can talk about is just in general, I felt like after the game um, versus the magic that the team was pretty much in a you know upbeat sort of mood. Um, and of course the magic were um, 
you know, without a number of players. Um, but it seems like these last two games versus the Lakers, you know, besides the fact that the Lakers are absolutely horrible matchup for the Rockets, and maybe that's going to be the lesson of this game, among other things, is that, you know, the chemistry and just lack of a enthusiasm from the Rockets was absolutely, absolutely dreadful. Yeah, I our defensive cohesion is just not there at this point in the season. Um, you know, it's been a problem since opening night with the Blazers. You can just tell guys don't know where they're supposed to be or where other people are supposed to be on defensive rotations. So any off-ball movement at all is a problem for the Rockets to defend right now. Um, they They have a lot of good individual defenders uh not a lot but more than we've had in recent years you know John Wall's a good on ball defender and Waba Jayshon Tate um PJ Tucker at times Eric Gordon at times they have good individual on ball defenders but off the ball is I don't know if they're just not communicating properly or if they're just a step slow or what the issue is but you can just tell that they are not where they're supposed to be on any kind of off-ball screens or back cuts or anything like that. It's easy pickings against this Rockets defense right now. And I think the issue, and I talked about this on um, the previous show with Blanchard, is that the Rockets really haven't had too much time with a full roster or a full and consistent roster to be able to gain that chemistry when it comes to defense. I mean, I, I, I think at this point we can probably say they won't be, you know, defensive juggernauts by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, they may be, you know, towards this um, back half of the league, but at the same time, um, unlike the Lakers who did get a full, you know, preseason, they haven't been affected whatsoever by COVID and um, at least not have a player, um, you know, out because of COVID pro- protocols at all. They have had time to develop chemistry, you know, early and the Rockets are the exact opposite. They've had multiple players. In fact, half the team at times unavailable and that, you know, impacts how, you know, defensive schemes and offensive schemes and just, you know, the chemistry of the team in general um, would be affected, like, or will be impacted throughout the games. Um, Maybe I'm just being a little bit optimistic or maybe um, a little bit more, um, you know, trying to avoid pessimism, but that's sort of my thought process about it. Yeah, I can see that argument. I think it'll also be an issue of just, you know, having the time to practice at it and like guys really wanting to get better at it. Um, you know, obviously with some of the issues going around with the riots and the media speculation and stuff like that, you know, you kind of question like how much some guys may or may not want to work on those kind of things. Um, you know, how engaged is PJ Tucker going to continue to be? He's been the guy for three or four years now, it's just been like, guys, we got to talk more. We got to talk more. How many times are you going to tell people that they got to talk more on defense before you just give up on it when it's clear they're not listening to you, right? Um, Or, you know, obviously James Harden, there's a lot going on there. Uh, How much does he care about working hard to nail defensive rotations with this team? We 
can't really say at this point. Uh, we also need to talk about James Harden struggling to score for the first time in his career uh, as a Rocket. He's had a consistent stretch where he's just not scored the ball well at all. Uh, but, yeah, as far as defensive engagement goes, it's just not there right now, and the Rockets are going to have to find it really quick if they want to stay alive in the Western Conference. We're just kind of slipping towards the back. We are still in it. It's still early. We can string some wins together and, you know, kind of get back into the picture. But right now we're we're fading kind of fast. I think the one thing that um, – I mean, I'm currently looking at the chat and Roosh Williams, who's also a contributor – um, at Clutch City Control Room, he mentioned that, you know, the Rockets could really be closer to six and three um, versus, you know, the three and six record that they are right now. And I think part of that is just now there's multiple teams that are being impacted because of the COVID protocols, but the Rockets were the first team to have to handle that, um, like I mentioned before. And I think that really took the competitive edge away from a schedule that was going to be hard in the first place. Like, you know, as we look through the schedule so far, we have played, you know, relatively, you know, teams that are potentially going to be, you know, championship contenders. The Lakers are obviously one of those, or at least very much in the thick of things when it comes to the Eastern and Western conference. And that started since game one. Um, I mean, I don't know how the second um, half of the um, season and the, you know, the schedule is going to look like. But I think when it comes to this part of the schedule, especially after losing so many players and playing, you know, shorthanded for a significant amount of time, I, I am disappointed at you know, three and six, but at the same time, I guess there's a little bit of a justification, if you can say that, when it comes to the record. Um, the question is if the team, you know, wants to, um, you know, get things fixed or if they're just going to, you know, sort of laze around and not do anything until it's time to blow up the team. Um, I think ultimately we have to see about that. You're right. And, you know, also we have some guys who are, you know, they're brand new in the league, basically. Christian Wood has never had this much responsibility put on him in the league. Uh, you know, Jay Sean Tate's a rookie. David Nawaba's never really was never really looking at these kind of NBA minutes before this year. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of guys like that who have to figure out who they are and what they can do. Uh, obviously, John Wall is coming back after not playing for two years. Uh, you know, so there's going to be some improvement as the season goes on, you know, just because they're playing more for the first time in their careers or, you know, for the first time in two years uh, when it comes to John Wall. But, you know, it's the Western Conference. You got to stack up wins where you can. You can't just keep letting them slip away. Uh, Obviously, these Lakers games are going to be hard to get regardless. Uh, It's going to be hard for a lot of teams to be the Lakers. That's why they're champions. But, uh, you know, games like that Blazers game opening night that we could have and probably should have won. Uh, you know, just other games like that that we keep letting get away right now are going to come back to bite us in the end if we want to, if we still want to be a playoff team or a team that looks like we have a chance. So it's disappointing. It's not the end of the world. It's January. The season just started at Christmas. So, you know, obviously long way to go, but, uh, 
yeah, right now it's hard to have concrete positives at the moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, a, a few minutes ago, you mentioned Christian Wood, and I think that's one of the thing topics that I want to talk with you about, because um, you mentioned in the chat that, you know, we frequently talk about that you felt like Christian Wood shouldn't play as a center or he's not um, center quality for the league right now. Um, I don't necessarily think that, but I think he definitely needs to bulk up some more or, you know, get to a point where we can, um, where he can improve in that aspect. But um, I don't want to put words in your mouth. What are your thoughts about it? Yeah. So basically I'm of the opinion that, and I felt this way as soon as he got signed, I think DeMarcus Cousins needs to start at the five uh, playing with Christian Wood at the four because I don't believe that Christian Wood's an NBA center right now. I think he's a great stretch four to have. Um, obviously, he's very tall, taller than, you know, we're used to having on the Houston Rockets at this point. Um, and he's great at the rim. He's got great hands. He's a great rim runner. All of that. Um, he gets he gets a lot of rebounds and things like that, but I still think that in today's NBA, Christian Wood is too small uh, in terms of, you know, kind of size and strength. Uh, obviously, he's tall, but he's too s- small physically to kind of hang and bang with those bigger, stronger fives in the post. And I think that's where DeMarcus Cousins would really shine for us. Uh, Christian Wood, he can play. Uh, both of them can kind of shoot the three a little bit. DeMarcus Cousins has been one of our best shooters this season, surprisingly. Uh, but both of them can shoot the three a little bit, shoot from outside, um, handle their own outside of the paint. So I think if you have both of them on your team, you should probably play Christian Wood at the four, have him guarding fours, and have DeMarcus Cousins guarding the bigger fives. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Um, having him more at a four – would make sense. Um, but I actually want to um, stop that conversation for a second because we have some breaking news. Um, the Rockets ha- are currently doing their post-game press conferences, and it took a little bit longer than usual. Um, right now, it's about uh, 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, um, it- and um, it took longer than usual for them to come out. But James Harden has just um, brought comments that will probably inflame the NBA um, Twitter sphere for the next several days until the next game. He said, and I'm quoting, we're just not good enough chemistry talent wise. And it was clear these last few games. Um, and then there was a response, um, someone I'm assuming, um, I haven't seen the actual follow-up question, but the, I guess they asked if this could be fixed and James Harden said, I don't think it can be fixed and left the podium. So Dex, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, that's not what you want <laughs> from your star player. Um, so I guess it's time to uh, work on those James Harden trade scenarios and uh, fire up those trade machines again. It's that's uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, and I guess like it's over. Um, yeah, and the full um, quote 
from that second question about if it can be fixed, he said, I love the city. I literally done everything I can. I don't think it can be fixed. And then he left the podium. So Yeah, you don't really that, get quotes like that on, on the podium, especially not from somebody like James Harden, who just avoids conflict, uh, who's very passive aggressive. But that's a it's pretty aggressive aggressive at that point. Yeah. So I mean he could have basically said, I want to be traded. Um, but I think he probably knows for a fact that he'll get fined for that. So he said everything but at that point at this point. It's just demoralizing, to be honest. Um and seriously, at this point I'm tired. <laughs> um I was pretty excited a few days ago. Um, and maybe it can't be fixed, but at the same time, I think Harden has to look at the mirror at himself, especially with the last two years. He, you know, asked for Westbrook to be, be added on the team. And I don't, I'm not condoning what Tillman has done whatsoever. I think he, you know, expedited the trade way too soon. Um, and he was too freaking cheap to, you know, keep, you know, there was an opportunity to potentially keep um, Chris Paul and, you know, have all three of them there, but he didn't. And we know what has happened over the last two years. But sufficient to say, James Harden wanted to have his friend on the team. And that, you know, failed a mixture of COVID, of course, but then also just bad fit. Um, and now the team has, you know, at least tried to pick, placate him and, you know, him and Tillman have had a complete, you know, fallout or reckoning. We'll probably never know exactly what, um, but I, I don't like, I'm not going to like lose my James Harden fandom. I think at this point, you know, outside of the few things when it comes to, you know, professionalism and all that other stuff, it's just, um, he's been, he has put all of it on the line when it comes to the Rockets, but I hope that he like when, or, you know, if he, when, or if he gets traded, he looks at himself at, in the mirror and sees what has happened, especially the last two years and what has, what has factored in to cause this to be at this point. Yeah. I feel like us and other people have kind of discussed this ad nauseum at this point. It's been like the NBA story for going on three months now. Uh, you know, so I don't really have anything new to contribute on that front. It is what it is. Uh, it's, I feel like he's right. We can keep trying to say, you know, oh, well, Jay Sean Tate's going to really turn into something special. And we got Mason Jones here and he's going to develop into a big NBA contributor or whatever. But I think it's obvious we're not, we're not going to win a championship with James Harden as a Houston Rocket. Uh, so, you know, we can, play out the string uh, as long as we want to, you know, we can keep him until the end of his contract, wait for the best deal, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be something where we suddenly turn into title contenders right now. Uh, if he wants to go win the title, he's not going to do it here. So I can't really blame him for that. That's not to say that I'm going to be rooting for him to go somewhere else and win a championship. Cause I will not be doing that. <laughs> But I don't – I'm not mad at his comments or anything or wanting to be traded or anything like that. It is what it is. Uh, you know, he's a professional athlete. He wants to, 
you know, be remembered, uh, you know, as a champion and a winner and things like that. Obviously, like you said, he's got to do some, uh, some self-reflection and figure out, you know, his part in not him not being a champion so far, but I can't blame him for wanting to, you know, take that next step and win a championship. So yeah, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. We've talked about trade scenarios and potential destinations and, who would give up what and all that ad nauseum on this podcast and on NBA Twitter and ESPN and all the other places. So we don't have to do that, but it is what it is. It, it's over guys. <laughs> the James yeah. Harden is coming to an end. And I mean, I guess I do want to say one more thing is that I think it, and I think I've said this multiple times, but maybe not on the pod, but I think that it's very sad and disappointing that ring culture has essentially caused someone who has been, you know, quite frankly, inspiration for the organization over the last, you know, almost decade to feel as though he would rather, you know, essentially cause an entire city to, lose their you know maybe not so much trust but lose a lot of respect for him in order to find or you know in order to be traded to some place that he can get a championship ring versus a, you know him wanting to appreciate what he has here um that's not to say that like i agree with you i won't be rooting for him to get a ring or I won't be rooting for, you know, whatever team he ultimately lands on to get a ring. Um, But I wish that as, you know, fans of the NBA and fans of the Rockets, that the NBA, you know, also should eventually take a deep look as to why there are players who continually ask for trades um, in this type of manner. Like it's increased in the amount of intensity and just like pain, I I guess would be the best word when it comes to how players have asked out. I mean, we know what happened with um, Jimmy Butler and the T Wolves and we know what happened with Anthony Davis. We know what has happened across, you know, multiple teams across multiple years. And I think a lot of that is just surrounding ring culture and the lack of respect when it comes to just how teams and players, you know, only one team can win in a season. Like we should be appreciative of the efforts that teams do to actually try and not just tank um, or not, you know, figure out, you know, just realize like, Hey, we won't be able to do something. Let's tank for the next two or three years. I, I think it's just, it, it's just a, like it, it, I think it just enforces fans to just be fans of the players as they start moving around. And maybe that's what the NBA wants is just fans of certain players versus fans of teams. Um, and it's demoralizing for small to medium sized, or I know Houston's a big market, but it's, demoralizing to those teams that can't you know that don't have the board of governors slash ownership that um allows them to you know pay financially to compete but that's all i can really say about that um i'm sorry to take up so much time about it yeah but that is okay and coming right up we'll continue our discussion about 
James Harden and rings culture and give a little voice to the people of Twitter uh, for a second in our second segment. We'll be right back. And we're back here at the Launchpad podcast presented by Clutch City Control Room. If you're what you're listening to even though it's very macabre at this point please consider subscribing as well as giving us a review on itunes spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast we would greatly appreciate it so as we left off we were talking about how james harden has you know unofficially officially stated that he wants to trade and he doesn't think that the rockets are going to be competitive whatsoever so dex um while you were um, off the air, you mentioned that there were some things that you wanted to talk about when it com- came to ring coach culture and stuff like that. So go ahead. Yeah, I think ring culture is kind of stupid. <laughs> it's it's very annoying as a fan, I guess, partially because my team doesn't win any rings. Maybe I would love it if my team was winning rings like, you know, the Lakers or the Warriors or whatever. But otherwise, it's just kind of. It's just annoying. I understand why players feel that way. You know, clearly it's it's a lot better for your legacy to have a championship than to not have one. Uh, you, everybody wants to be, you know, Michael Jordan or LeBron James instead of being, you know, Charles Barkley or like Carmelo Anthony or whatever. It's just better for your legacy to be remembered as a winner, champion and all that. And maybe winning a championship is just that much fun that it should be the only thing you care about and the only thing you think about because it does look pretty fun to be celebrating at the end of the finals. But, uh, yeah, as a fan, it's just kind of annoying uh, that, you know, your whole season is reduced down to, well, can we win a championship or can we not? If we can't, then what's the point? Are we actively tanking to lose games right now because we think eventually we might win a championship. That's not fun either. It's just, it's just annoying. It's just not good. As far as player movement goes, I don't have as big a problem with that as some other people do. Um, You mentioned people being a fan of the individual players instead of the team. I think that's always kind of been the basketball dynamic, uh, at least for my entire life, you know, Bomani Jones at ESPN always kind of describes it as having your guy, uh, you know, so in the nineties, Jordan was everybody's guy. Then, you know, in the two thousands, Allen Iverson might've been your guy, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James came along and now LeBron James is a lot of people's guy. Uh, you know, James Harden is people's guy, Steph Curry, players like that. KD, you know, every, everybody has a guy in the league. Uh, obviously there's a lot of us who still care about their hometown teams and, you know, just the whatever team that they've chosen to be a fan of. But I think the NBA more than any other league has kind of thrived on those individual personalities more than other sports. And I think that's good uh, in some scenarios, but when you combine it with how toxic Twitter itself is in any category of conversation Mm -hmm. and you add ring culture on top of that. I think it just kind of becomes a mess and it becomes less fun. Um, Like if you're just off Twitter and just watching basketball chilling, it's still a really fun league to watch. But if you throw in being an active part of NBA Twitter, it's like, ugh. Yeah. And I guess just to clarify, I agree with you. I am ultimately a a proponent of, 
um, player movement. Um, but I think what hurts player movement and that sort of draw is what you said, just the mixture of that and ring culture that, you know, it, it would be great if we could get to some equilibrium where you know, players felt as though their contribute or contributions were seen as valid. Um, and if they needed to, you know, if they ultimately wanted to go and win a championship, which I think should be the goal of all of them, that's fine. But, you know, it shouldn't be, you know, I, I think especially in James Harden's case and a few, you know, other players' case, it's more like they're moving because they feel like they're not being appreciated for the work that they've done so far. And I think that's what hurts, you know, the player movement era is because of the mixture of that and not appreciating what they're being, you know, what they've done during their career, unless they've gotten that ring. Like it shouldn't be, Oh, you got a ring. Then we can appreciate you. It should be, we appreciate you for what you've done, but that ring is a team accomplishment and that also is great as well. Um, and I don't think we really have that. Yeah, I agree with you there for sure. I think, you know, like some of the guys I mentioned, like Carmelo Anthony, he's probably not going to get a ring in his NBA career. And that, you know, that should be okay. That should be fine. He's an all-time great scorer. He, you know, gave us a lot of great years in Denver and New York. And, you know, he's a fun personality to have in the league. He's been a big part of the league since I was in like the third grade. So, you know, he's a big part of the reason that I like grew up loving basketball. You know, we should be able to appreciate guys like that without a ring. Uh, Chris Paul, we should be able to appreciate guys like that without having one a ring. You know, he's one of the greatest pure point guards of all times. One of the best basketball minds we've ever seen in the NBA, you know, at least people my age. Uh, so yeah, it does kind of suck that, those guys, it feels like, get appreciated less and less in this era. But, you know, it just kind of is what it is. It's kind of the way the world works now. I mean, And considering there's 30 teams and potentially even 32 in the near future if the league expansion happens, you know, only one – it would be once every 32 years if it was, you know, fair and every team got a chance to win a championship at the same cadence. But, of course, that's – not going to happen and the NBA has also had the least parity when it comes to championship um, achievements than any other league in you know North America so why should we expect for every single player who is in the league to win a ring that shouldn't be a factor in how much we appreciate the work and contributions that they've done um, for their teams and for the NBA in general but um, that's really enough of that. I think we're, we've talked more than enough about this. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now moving on slightly, what do you think you're going to kind of look back the most fondly on from James Harden's tenure in Houston? Obviously, it's not over yet, but it's looking like it'll be over soon. Um, you know, so what'll be kind of your favorite thing about having James Harden in Houston? I think, and maybe this is probably the answer to a lot of folks, um, I would say two things. One is that he consistently got us to the playoffs. Um, he is, you know, as of now, the one or the player with the longest um, consecutive 
NBA playoff streak. Um, not even LeBron has that. And he has taken, you know, mediocre or even worse teams from, you know, um, into the playoffs and to the Western Conference finals even. So when it comes to that, I appreciate him so much. And then the other thing I have appreciated is, you know, just that when it comes to the um, 18, 19 season. I mean, I, I think everyone loves the 17, 18 season, but that um, unguardable tour in 18, 19, where he, you know, essentially took a team that was, you know, half of them were injured. There was the Carmelo drama. There was, you know, a ton of trades and he took that team on his back and did something that, you know, barely any individual outside of Wilt has done scoring wise to keep the team into playoff um, or to get the team back into playoff contention and eventually, you know, to even win a series. I, I think those moments for me just shows how much of an impact that Harden has had over the last several years. And it's sad that because so many people are focused on him not winning a ring that they don't look at how much he has contributed to the franchise what about you? Yeah, for me, it'll definitely be that first year when Chris Paul came to the Rockets, um, that MVP year for James Harden. That that team was the most fun I've ever had watching NBA basketball. They were mm-hmm. incredible. Just I felt like every single night, especially when Harden, Paul, and Capella all played together, that that insane record of like 50 and 5 or whatever it was when all three of them played um, that team was incredibly fun. We had a lot of great games, you know, the game, we had a game against Portland where we were down like 14 going into the fourth quarter. And so they took out Capello. They went to the tuck wagon lineup and erased that deficit in Portland, stunned all their fans there. Um, that game was amazing. Obviously that game in the playoffs where they scored 50 points in a quarter or whatever it was in Minnesota, that, that was insane to watch. That team just had so many great moments like that. Um, Clint Capella, Sonnen, <laughs> the Utah Jazz, and uh, James Harden gassing him up, like just being a fun, great teammate that he was uh, prior to this year. Uh, I just loved having him on the team for a long time. It's sad to see it in this way, but, you know, we did have a really good run. Wish we could have got a championship, but like we just talked about, that's not everything. It was an incredibly fun run that we had. Uh, sad to see it come to an end like this, but, you know, all good things must come to an end. So it is what it is. Yeah. And real quick, um, you know, slightly, uh, I guess, adjacent to the Harden conversation is, you know, with him, it, it looks like a trade is going to happen relatively soon, if not sometime during the off season, there is an opportunity for the Rockets to actually do something that previously Les Alexander and to a certain extent Tillman has not um, allowed, which is, you know, essentially tanking by um, conducting a fire cell. Do you think that's worthwhile for the team to do? I would say no, because we have so little control over our own picks for the time being. Um, and a tank is not something you can do for like one or two years at this point. Like you have to like really commit to kind of stacking up those assets and being really bad for a little while. It's not something you can just turn off and on. 
so I don't think we need to blow it up. We also have John Wall's contract, which is going to be hard to move and like really get the flexibility needed to have a fire sale. I think you what you do is you get as much as you can get for James Harden, uh, you know, in terms of players who can play right now and draft picks. And you put that with John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, and, uh, you know, you let some of these rookies develop. You add these new pieces and, you know, you kind of see where it goes. I think you can be in that, that like, fringe playoff contender range with, you know, somebody who is bought in, just be a really solid player in place of James Harden right now. Clearly he's not bought in like we had hoped. But, yeah, if you want to trade – P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon, I think that's a different conversation. But as far as blowing the entire team up, like getting rid of, you know, getting rid of John Wall is going to be next to impossible. We only were able to trade John Wall, trade for John Wall, because we had the only contract in the NBA that might be worse than John Wall's. So, you know, as long as you have that contract and all these other guys are already so young and so cheap, I don't think it's worth blowing the team up and tanking. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially, I think the one thing that you mentioned that's you know completely accurate is that we don't have any picks this season when it comes to the draft, and unless you know any trade included picks to this year's draft, which I am sort of fifty fifty on if that will actually happen before you know Harden is traded, then you know it's not worth doing a tank job. Part of a tank job is actually having picks to be able to quote unquote tank. So I agree. Uh, and I don't think there's much more to really say about that. Um, I, I think, you know, just overall being able to hopefully we'll have, you know, some better days. Um, the schedule coming up lightens up slightly, although we are playing the Spurs to, you know, just one again. So who knows? Um, we may be completely trashed like <laughs> for a third straight game with the Spurs, but um, hopefully it won't feel as bad as it does tonight um, and probably the next several nights as we hear more from Harden and hear more from his camp. Um, do you have anything else, Dex, that you want to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah, real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to give y'all a little little peek behind the curtain here at the Launchpad podcast. Before James Harden just dropped this gem of a press conference on us, we had no idea what we were going to talk about because we're just we're just some folks who just watch some basketball. Me and Brett, we're not we're not sitting here breaking down X's and O's and you know elevator screens and things like that. Uh, you know, that's not who we are. So we didn't really have a plan to talk about this very boring game that the Rockets played with the Lakers. It wasn't that interesting. So I just, I reached out to Twitter and I said, you know, let me know how you're feeling, Rockets Twitter, because we're, we're just not a good basketball team right now. So I'll read some of the tweets that I got from a few people. I'm not going to read them all, but just a handful uh, you know, because we were looking for content before <laughs> James Harden blessed us with some at the <laughs> post-game press conference. So, Roy Nogletree, my good friend, he tweets, Ship bearded Marcus Thornton to the National Basketball League in Australia for a boomerang and a couple kangaroos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. We're, uh, he's not feeling great. Uh, hashtag wall for MVP at Mexiporian tweets 
you ever did the math on what you had to make on the final and it came out that you needed a 103 on the exam to pass? Yeah, that's what this is like. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what this feels like. Mm. James Harden said as much himself. Yeah. And I mean, maybe this was the worst game to ask him about that since it was two straight games of complete drummings. Um, But like I said, um, and I think what folks have sort of alluded to since that press conference, Harden has to look in the mirror at himself. And there is a larger conversation about the NBA and how they sort of focus more on ring culture and the toxicity associated with that. But he has to look at himself as well. Um, I hope he is doing that in between the time that he drops bombs, such as what happened during the press conference today. Yep, I could not agree more. We'll see where it goes. Obviously, Clutch City Control Room and the Lost Fat Podcast will have all the latest and greatest on you know, whatever happens with the James Harden situation and the rest of the Houston Rockets. Uh, but that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, and guest voices, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Launchpad Podcast covering your Houston Rockets.